<clears throat> May we have your own attention? This is Suzanne. And this is Leanne. And we are two friends and fellow life coaches who live with inattentive type ADHD. This podcast is a place to put our conversations about our lives, our work, and our relationships. These episodes will definitely have squirrel moments and conversational rabbit holes. So inattention is guaranteed. Okay, Leanne, let's try to stay on point. (laughs) Good luck with that. Let's go. Squirrels out. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Okay, here's a question because I don't know. Do you okay. set do you set resolutions normally, or what do you do f- for like the new year? It's kind of changed. So like, I used to always be like, oh, resolutions, and that was the word that I used. And I think now it's more like intentions and goals instead of just saying specifically resolutions, not that it's different, but I Mm -hmm. think just changing the wording for me, I don't know why, but it helps me feel better about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I do. I set like intentions every year. What about you? So probably five or six years ago, when I was in therapy, I brought up to my therapist that like, I always set intentions or have goals or like very specific things I'm going to do. And it never works. And by the end of, it's not even the end of January after like a week and a half, like 10 days, like it's all a dumpster fire. And so I was talking to him about that and he came up with the idea. Well, I don't know if he came up with the idea, but he presented to me the idea of more of like a mantra Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of, you know, put on the year. And I was like, ooh, I like that. And then like a couple years after that, the word, like the word of the year became a thing that people were doing. And I was like, ooh, I like that even better because then I just had to find one word that like encapsulates like what I, you know, what I want to feel or do for the year. And this year, like taking that idea even one step further, I I read – something that said to think of that word as just like a lens that you kind of like set all of your goals or like everything you do like for that year is like through that lens, like through that word. Um, And I like that too, but it's hilarious because the word I chose for this year is rest. I basically decided not to actively like actively not have goals (laughs) or like active goals, Um, like doing things. I'm like, nope, we're going to like not do. And here's the thing. My hope and kind of I like half believe it. So we'll see what happens. But the less I tell myself I have to do, the more I will likely do because it's right. not coming from a place of stress. But we'll see totally. how, that, how that plays out. So I totally agree. I actually I did the focus word for the last couple of years, too. Um, and last year it was trust which I thought was really interesting, especially with 2020 and it being a shit show that Mm -hmm. like, I just had to trust that like things were going to just like work out and everything was going to be okay. And I think for the most part, like I did okay. And I haven't like, I don't know, I kind of picked a word, but I don't know. I was thinking determination this year Mm -hmm. because I have goals that like I had set intentions for myself and like goals that I wanted to work on last year. And I got some of them done, but a lot of them were like financially based. And I really did a lot of shopping last year because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. And so like, I still, like, I was surprised that I even got like any of my goals accomplished that I set for myself last year, like financially because of all the shopping and shit that I did. And so this year, like, that's kind of more of my intention is to be more intentional, just like around financial stuff Mm -hmm. um, to like build that stability, like insecurity for myself. Cause I think that's where a lot of like my hangups and just like overall fears, like around everything come out is Mm -hmm. like around security and safety and stability and the financial piece of it for me 
is really where like I can make the most impact. Yes. Impact in my life. Like to be financially like stable and like in a good place where I feel really good and secure and I don't have to like have some of the unknown stuff affect me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my goal is like to be determined with that, but it's to find like safety and security and stability in my own life. So it might be one of those words too, but it's like around that. Mm -hmm. So I still want to do an episode at some point about money because I think, yeah, I feel like it could be like a five-parter too. Like there's just, oh, totally. there's so much. Yeah. I feel like I could talk about money forever and ever. Yeah. There's a lot of layers with that for me, for sure. Okay. So I love this because we're planning on releasing this. Well, we're recording it. Like this is the first we've talked since the new year. Right. So like what a great time to like set goals and intentions. And then by the time this releases, we're planning to release it like at the end of January, right about the time everything for every like everyone's goals are falling apart and everyone was like well that was fun to try to do that so for I feel three like weeks and yeah. I gave up and now I'm not doing it yeah so I feel like this will be like super timely this will be great totally I saw a post that I spent an hour this morning going back trying to find again and could not find it um to cite who it was or what all was on it um so I just from memory wrote down what I could remember but I'll go back and look again um but there's a post that went up that was talking about things to do instead of like quote unquote quote resolutions, like, you know, just the classic goals that everyone sets that don't work out. So um, on that list was like the one word or mantra, um, a mission statement for the year, which I actually, I like that idea too. Shorter challenges that aren't like year long challenges. So like a seven day challenge or like a 30 day challenge or quarterly challenges. So like ones that have um, shorter end dates. So it doesn't feel like such a huge commitment. Like some people do much better on like, you know, shorter things. Um, And then I actually got this from this idea from a coaching client last week. And she said that someone said to her, um, gave her the idea to write a letter to herself from 2020, thanking her, like thanking yourself for getting through the year um, having the conversation with yourself about what you've learned, like, hey, look how resilient we've been, like, we've been through some shit, like, thank you for, like, writing that letter to yourself for the past year, and I kind of love that, too. I think that's a great exercise in, in reflection over, because I think maybe unless we really consciously stop to pause and think about it, like, everyone has, like, been massively impacted from the beginning of 2020 to, like, the end of 2020, so... Absolutely. I think having an exercise and like just kind of really remembering how far we've come. Yeah. And I think that for me and then just in a lot of the things that I've been doing for my coaching business and just like looking forward at this year, like just reflecting on last year and how much everyone had to go through and how Mm -hmm. just like we had to kind of deal with a lot of shit that we didn't expect that we were going to have to deal with. And like coming into this year, just with, I guess, appreciation of all of that is going to be a lot more helpful for us instead of feeling like we have to be like, Oh, well this year has to be perfect and fantastic. And like everything needs to fall in place for it to be successful. Like, I think just the fact that we got through 2020 and like, we're going into 21, like with a different Mm-hmm. outlook I think is is more than enough to get us started so yeah. well I kind of want to write a letter like now that I'll open in December of this coming year but what I'm going to put in it it's just going to be basically what my state of mind is right now I'm not going to make myself any promises right that I can then break to myself and then feel like shit in December mm-hmm. but if I can just I think it would be helpful in December to really be able to like have a touchstone where I'm like, Oh yeah, that's what I was feeling in January. Mm-hmm. So that I can have like an accurate reference point of like how far I have come like in, you know, I will have gone in 2021. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on that in my brain. Yeah. I think like, so I had written a letter to myself, like as part of like an inner child thing. Mm-hmm. And every time I look back at it, like, I just feel so much better about like what I've been doing now. And so Mm -hmm. like, I think for me, like writing a letter to my inner child, like about where I'm at now 
if I read it at the end of the year, I'd be like, wow, like I've come so much further from even where I was then, you know? Yep. I've done a couple different letter writing exercises that way to, to me at different points in life. (laughs) So yeah. And it's crazy helpful. It's, it's really good for flexing like self-compassion. It's really good for that. Totally. Totally. I love the idea that we can be the adults for ourselves that we didn't have as kids that now Mm. we can absolutely retroactively go back and like, I've gone back and like hugged younger versions of myself Totally. when I wish there would have been someone there, you know, someone there to hug me that would Mm -hmm. have been like, we're, we're okay. And the idea that there are absolutely exercises you can do to, to go back and heal stuff like that and be the adult that like we desperately wish we would have had like as, as a kid. So good. So good. Totally. Yeah. I definitely think like inner child work is like one of the best things that I ever started doing for myself. And I think like just kind of thinking about what this episode is, is on like goal setting and feeling that motivation to do things and whatever it is that we want to work on for the year and whether that's like having a focus word or letters or whatever, like I think inner child work and just like connecting back to ourselves helps to make me feel like I'm worth it and worthy enough to do the things that I want to do each year and like feel like I'm actually good enough and deserving of improving and Mm -hmm. being successful. Like it's like totally at the core of like feeling unworthy. And so if I come at it from a different mentality, it's easier for me to be like, oh, like, yeah, if there's things that I want to do this year and improve and make this year the best year that I can, like if I come at it from a place of like, okay, I'm doing this work and I actively do different things throughout the year to like help remind myself that I'm worthy and like just me being here, like no matter what I do or don't do, like I'm good enough and I'm worthy enough. Like that actually just like helps me to be like, oh, well, yeah, like then why can't I do this, that, or the other thing? Like, of course I can accomplish things in my life because I know that I'm worthy and I'm good enough of doing whatever I want instead Mm -hmm. of coming at it from like a place of three weeks into January and I haven't done what I wanted or feel like I'm going to give up and be like, oh, well, who cares? And I'm not going to bother. And let's just let this year go to waste. It's like, well, wait, like just because I take a break or like have a setback or whatever does not mean that I can't keep going or maybe try a different option or Mm -hmm. like look at it from a different angle to, to get back to what I actually want to achieve. So one of the huge things um, that came up for me when I, when I was thinking about the word rest is number one, when I came up with that word, I was like, I can't tell anyone this word because it sounds so lazy. And so like, I had such shame of like the idea that people are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to do like, my word is this. And it's like this, like strong action word or like strong. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to nap for a year. Like, and and I'm totally okay with that you know what I think with all of the trauma of 2020 like if you wanted to rest for 21 and be like you know what I want to nap this year to recover from last year like go for it like seriously like fucking go like I would totally support you a thousand percent if that's what you wanted to do because I think that sounds like a brilliant idea personally I was like bracing for people to think I was lazy or for people to come at me with like me being like oh that must be a nice like position of privilege to to be in where you could like take a year-long nap okay here's the thing I can't actually take a year-long nap like I do have responsibilities I do have children I have like (laughs) things I gotta do I should I have to do but like but just realizing how much shame and like how much reservation I had even saying that word aloud was like, oh yeah, that's gotta be your word. Like that's your word because you have so much stuff surrounding it. Like that's your word. But the bigger thing that came up, the more I was thinking about it is 
the biggest work I really want to do this year is, is addressing and addressing the trauma to my nervous system I have and trying to heal my nervous system because like just so much shit over the last, I mean, really forever, but you know, real strongly the last couple of decades. And so like really addressing and healing that and being like you, in order to actually heal, you have to rest, like you have to. And, um, so realizing that there is action in the rest, like that's a thing too, but the idea that a lot of the, um, like exhaustion I have comes from the constant, the constant telling myself of like everything I should be doing that I'm not doing. Like the word should to me is such a, I recognize it. I talk about it in like, you know, coaching sessions with people. Like every time, like I hear people say the word should, but I think I only recently realized how much internal like should I have going on. Um, and really getting to like the heart of that, like putting down, putting down everything that has the word should attached to it, because should just means that like, there is some kind of expectation attached to that, that isn't necessarily mine. It's not necessarily something I really want to do. Um, and so just asking the word why, like I should get in shape this year. Why? Like asking why, and then going to that, like five wise deep thing, <laughs> Like to uh, really get to the root of like why you think you should be doing a thing. Yep. Um, gets you to where you're like, this isn't actually important to me. Or you get to the root of why something is actually important to you. And then instead of like, I should be doing this, it, it'll become, I want to do this or I get to do this for myself. But man, breaking down and questioning those shoulds, that's really the year. This is the year I want to put down all of the shoulds I have carrying around because it's a fucking lot of them and realizing like what I actually want to be doing, what my values actually are and like being able to like put my energy toward, you know, nothing that I don't really want to be doing or that's not actually important to me. So that was a lot of words around the word rest, but. <laughs> yeah, but I think it, it brought up such a deeper thing because I think especially when we go into a new year and everyone sets all of these resolutions or intentions or whatever it is that we want to call it. And it's like, I think there's such a feeling of obligation yep. that we need to do something or improve ourselves or be better. And, and so like we set all of these limitations and like restrictions on ourselves in order to feel like we are worth something. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that whole should thing just it comes out every year for so many of us. So I think just like you sharing your word, which is rest, I think just really goes to show how much we tend to like should ourselves to death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's such a, it's a recipe for like disappointment and failure because anytime you're coming at anything with should, that means you are like white knuckle pushing your way through it. Cause it's not something you necessarily want to be doing. And you know, you, you got to break that down and question that like what what's behind it. But if it really is a should, and that's just based on like an obligation you feel outwardly to other people, to society, to your neighbor, to your partner who thinks you're chunky to your, you know, whatever it is, whatever the goal is that you feel like you should be doing rather than you saying to yourself, like, I want, like, I want to be healthier or like, I get to make better health choices. Like, it was just like, Oh, this is year. Like I got to do it. I got to lose weight. Maybe it's not, maybe you don't really want to. And that's okay. I think it's the shame we feel around. We think there are certain things that we're supposed to want to do. If you don't really want to do it, like it's going to be so hard to make that happen because you don't really want to do it. And that's okay too. Like, it's okay to not want to do like, it's okay for that to not be your goal. Like it's yep. okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too, like, especially with weight loss and eating healthy and doing certain things, yeah. like it's just such a societal pressure and that just goes into our culture and like how we've been brainwashed, I guess, by media and like other people into being like, oh, we all need to look like mm -hmm. super fit and healthy and like eat perfectly and all go vegan and do this out the other and like there's just so much pressure to look and be a certain way 
to like match the ideal of what some whoever society said was the ideal. And so if we go against that, it's like, oh, well, why aren't you doing this? You mm-hmm. should be you should be changing yourself to match what society wants you to be instead of like being okay with yourself and whatever that looks for you. And so it's like, if we don't want to do something that other people want to do, we're looked at as not fitting in and not mm-hmm. being good enough. And well, we just- what's wrong with you that you don't want that? Totally. But anything you're coming out with a should, what you're basically, you're, you're already framing it in such a negative way. Because if you're doing something like if I'm, if I'm getting in shape because I should, then it means I'm doing this because if I don't do it, I'm a piece of shit. Anything with a should, you're already framing it as I'm doing this because if I don't, it means I'm a bad person or it means I'm whatever, lazy. And there's such a pressure to fit in and like think that that's what we need to be doing. So instead of actually like finding the goals and the things that are more in line with what we want as a person and that are in line with our core values and how we want to come outwardly like for ourselves, we're going about setting intentions the wrong way. So it's like the more that we can go internally within ourselves and just like really discover like who we are and what what's important to us. Like I think if we don't do that work first, it's going to be hard to stay consistent with something moving for forward sure. yep. because it's not going to feel true to ourselves. It's true to somebody else maybe, but like we haven't been able to really align ourselves with doing that thing because we haven't reflected on like what's really important to us. Well, until you figure that out and you have a very clear picture of where you want to go and why you want to go there and why this is important to you and how great you're going to feel when you get there, you are instead, instead of going toward a thing, really when you set goals from a should place, it's you're just, you're going forward manically because you're running from, you know, what's behind you, which is that like, I think I'm a piece of crap and other people are going to think I'm a piece of crap if I don't do this thing. So it's not like you're even moving toward it. Then you're moving away from the idea that you're a lazy piece of crap who doesn't want the right, the same things or the correct things or the, you know, which isn't really a direction. You're just... (laughs) You're just trying to get away from feeling terrible rather than moving towards something that's actually going to make you feel good. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. How many of us don't actually know what we want or why we want a thing, right? I think, I think a lot of us feel that way. Yeah. I don't think any of us know what we truly want. Before we were recording, I had my planner and in the beginning it has like a self-discovery section. Mm. So there's like prompts. And so it's like, what is the vision for the life that I want? What are my core values? What am I passionate about? What brings me joy? What's my life's purpose? What is my mission? What or who should I avoid in order to live a happier and more fulfilling life? And then there's like a section for like things that I'm grateful for affirmations and things I need to remind myself. And I did that today. And it's interesting that they put this in the very beginning, like before you do a vision board and before you start working on like year long or quarterly goals and things like that, like they have you do these questions, like to prompt yourself to kind of dig a little bit deeper and try to figure out what's truly most important to you before you go and think about goal setting. Cause I think it just reframes it for you Mm -hmm. just moving forward. Yeah. I love that. One of the things that came up in like just looking over stuff for ideas like to talk about today was I think we look, we naturally look to uh, like add activities or, you know, add goals that we're going to have like um, rather than removing things. And so the idea of letting go of like old behaviors, letting go of like, you know, a lot of the stuff that's like not serving you, no longer serving you. The idea of like, different ways to detox like came up. So whether that be, I know for January, you're giving, you know, you're doing the dry January thing. Well, you've been sober for a year, but you're writing the dry January thing for people to like give up alcohol, um, like giving up screens, giving up social media, like people taking social media breaks. What are your thoughts around that, around the goal of like giving up things? I used to, oh God, this was like eight, nine years ago. I, I was still married. Um, I had started a whole 30 And it was like in January. And so it was 
like super strict paleo, no alcohol, no sugar, no bread, no gluten, no nothing. And it was so restrictive mm-hmm. and it like I lost weight and I felt better for the most part, but it also really fucked with my mental state mm-hmm. and like having to feel like I was restricting myself. And I think for a really long time, every year I went into January of with the feeling like I needed to restrict and limit Mm. the things that I was doing like for like putting things into my body and really forcing myself to put a lot of effort into like going super hard in exercise and like losing weight and doing all of those things. So I had to restrict myself so much in order to do that. And I was never successful. And I was always so burned out and disappointed when I didn't get the results that I wanted, or I didn't feel good enough, or I felt too tired to actually go and do it consistently that like, I just, I felt so restricted that I never stuck with it. So I think for me, like I had to change my mindset and then also come at things with not being so restrictive. So yeah, like I'm doing a dry January challenge for people who want to change their relationship with alcohol and like, just like see how they feel with not having alcohol. There's like, obviously lots of different beliefs on like how you go about like reducing alcohol intake and things like that. But I think it's very similar to like the diet industry and fitness and like healthy eating and things like that. There's either a very restrictive, like you completely abstain, you Mm -hmm. completely can't have like any alcoholic like replacements or things like it's just, you go totally completely away from it. And it's the same thing with food. Like if you want to lose weight or do this, you have to track your calories. You have to like completely restrict yourself and like eliminate everything from your life in order to get better and be healthier and whatever. And that has never worked for me. Mm -hmm. I've always noticed that the more I restrict myself from something, the more I want it. And then I end up craving it and binging worse on something than I ever probably would have if I took more of a moderation and like a different mindset approach. So I think detox and letting things go and giving things up, I think it can be fantastic, but it's so important to have the right approach to it. And like, really like think about your mindset and like, what's going to help you. And I, and I think that's going to be different for everyone. I know for me, just knowing how much I have the tendency to want to binge and like go crazy on something the moment that I know that I can't have it is going to really make it difficult for me to be successful in certain areas, like where I can't have the thing that I want. And I think that's for other people, they actually need more structure and the restriction thing, it just eliminates it as a choice and then they can move on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's different for everyone, but I know like for myself, I just have struggled with it so much. And I think that's why I've been able to be sober for so long and it's felt fine. And I really haven't struggled with it so much is because I went at it from the mentality of like, you know what, I'm going to take a break. I don't think that I fit the true definition of alcoholism where it's like interfering with your life and like causing other things like financial and career wise and that sort of stuff where like you're in dire straits and it's like, you're basically screwing your whole life up as a result of drinking alcohol. But I know that emotionally it fucked with my head all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know that I definitely made decisions and like said things and relationships with other people where it didn't help. And I think coming at it from less of a, I can never drink again to like, you know what, I need to change my approach with this and take a break. And that doesn't mean that I won't go back to it in the future, but I just want to have a healthier relationship with alcohol and really like dig deep into why I'm struggling with my relationship with alcohol and like questioning some of that stuff more just made it so much easier 
for me to be like, oh, okay. Like I don't really have this urge to drink anymore. And then the other thing that I did, which a lot of some people don't like doing and some people do is finding a replacement for the things that I was drinking. Mm -hmm. So instead of drinking an alcoholic version of something, I made a replacement that was a non-alcoholic version of it. And the more replacements that I found, the less that I've actually even wanted to have something with alcohol because I found a replacement that tasted just as good or like it's comparable where I'm like, okay, like, do I really need to have the alcohol and like Mm -hmm. feel shitty afterwards? No, like I'm okay without it. So that has been the other thing that's happened is like, I found a good replacement. So I didn't feel like I was restricting myself. That's actually a key strategy in dropping any kind of like stopping any kind of habit you have is you can't just stop doing that thing. You have to replace it with something else because otherwise you're just white knuckling through that time, through that situation where you just want to be doing the thing that you're not, you feel like you're not allowed to do. And so that is a key strategy is replacing that where you're literally, you know, it's a replacement beverage, but in any kind of situation where you're trying to stop a habit, you have to replace it with another habit so that your brain has something to focus on. That's not just the thing you're not allowed to do. A thing that came up in for me and for it's come up a few times in people I have coached. And so I'm super curious if this is a thing for you, because I don't know if it's like if it's a if it's a trauma thing, if it's possibly an ADHD thing, but I have a strong thing with wanting to rebel against the thing I am being told I have to do. Right. I feel so like that's a type four thing. So not necessarily like oppositional defiant necessarily, but people who have been controlled or, you know, have felt like under the thumb of other people or whatever, or like, or even just like a super shitty boss, whatever. Um, if I'm being told I have to do a thing, I automatically want to do the opposite of that thing. That includes me telling myself that I have to do something. This is where it becomes so important that we break it down and that we're actually doing things that we want to do because then I can be like, no, jackass, this is the thing you actually want to be doing. But like, if it's just society telling me that I need to get in shape, even if I'm like, okay, I have to get in shape or like, I'm going to feel terrible. Something inside of me is like, no, fuck you. I don't have to do like, you know, there's at least a part of me that is like rebelling against that. And so I totally had this chick that I was coaching. She kind of wanted me to tell her her goals and we had already done some Enneagram work. And I was like, it's real important that you come up with your goals because other, if I'm telling you what to do, you're not going to do it. I'm going to be the reason that you cite for not doing the thing. Like I, I become like the bad guy. I become, you know, the opposition. I become the authority figure. I'm like, this has to be you so that you own it when you do it or don't do it. And then you have to fight that out with yourself about, you know, about like why you actually want to be doing it. But it's so interesting how we can screw ourselves by seeing ourselves as like the bad guy or the person trying to make us do a thing we don't really want to do. And so it's so important to get clear on why you want to do the things you want to do. I think it depends. Um, And I don't know if you heard my side comment before when you started talking. You're like, Oh, I just went, I went down the rabbit hole. Like, well, it was so funny because like, I kind of interjected and you were, you were talking and it was before you were like, it's like when you just like, you don't want to do the thing because someone told you to do it. And I was like, I feel like that's a type four thing. Oh, Um, okay. (laughs) It is. However, I also know this girl I was coaching was an eight. So it might just be a strong personality thing. I don't know. No, like, I definitely don't think it's just a type four thing. Mm -hmm. It was just me being facetious. I think it's interesting because it for me, it depends on who's telling me. Say more. So like sometimes if it's someone that I really respect and admire and like they've come across very authentically where I trust them and I feel safe around this person and they say like this is something that I think maybe you should consider doing and I guess also it probably depends on how someone words it too Mm -hmm. if it's like you need to do this I'm like that seems a little harsh um (laughs) and I wish people could see my facial reaction because you laughed but I was like 
ew, like no thanks. But uh, I think if they come at it with a, this is what's worked for me and why, and like what I got out of it. And maybe this is something that you could consider. I'm probably more apt to think about it. I may not do it, but I at least reflect on it maybe more. I think like I rally away from people that are like, you have to do this thing because this is what Mm -hmm. you have to do. Like I'll totally want to go against it. Um, But I've actually noticed like for myself, if I tell myself I need to do it, I like, if I don't have a real like strong, like belief in it, I won't do it as much, but if like I figure out the why and like really kind Mm -hmm. of dig into why it's important, then I don't have that issue. What I actually really do the like oppositional defiant thing with is if someone says, oh, you can't do this or like, I don't believe you can do this or, oh, you're just going to fail at this or you're going to give up and do that like you do with everything else. Like, it's when they tell me I can't do the thing. I'm mm. like, oh, fuck off. Like, I'm going to do it just to prove you wrong so I can feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. So I actually, like, have the opposite. Like, if someone tells me I can't do something, then I absolutely have to do the thing because it's like I have to defy anyone's expectation that I can't do something. Mm, Interesting. I think I have the opposite thing where I'm scared they're right. So I don't try. Right. And I think I get so mad that someone had the audacity to tell me that I can't do the thing and like had a negative viewpoint of me that I'm like, well, fuck off then I'm going to show you that I'm going to do it better than what you could ever do. And then I do it. And it's like, so it's like the opposite. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah. it's like, if you, if you ever want me to do something, Suze, what I'm telling you is you need to be like, I bet you can't do that because you're dumb and stupid and you're not good enough to do it. And I don't think you can do it. And then I'll be like, fuck you. Yes, I can. And then if I'll I ever say that to you, I want you to drive over to my house and punch me in the face. What a terrible <laughs> thing to say to you. I can, I can't I know, even right? picture myself saying that to you, but okay. I, I, could, I could never picture you saying that to me either, but like, if you ever want me to do something like, and you need me to do something like just literally be like, I don't think you could do it. I bet. No, that feels bad. I know, but that feels bad. I can't do that. I know it does feel bad. Cause I just want to be supportive. I'm just gonna be like, you can do it. You're so great. <laughs> but so yeah, someone noticed, tells me, I bet you can't do it. Like part of me is like, like, you're okay, probably I right. can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I don't know what it is about that. That's so motivating to me. Here's a question. Is it, does it even have to be something you really want to do? Like it, like if you are offered the challenge and you're like, that's not always something I wanted to do until now, like is it actually like, it usually has the biggest effect on something that's really, really passionate to me or something I really want to do. And I'm Mm -hmm. really interested in now I have to do it even better than what I even had the vision of in my head Mm -hmm. because like, I need to make sure that you see that this was something that I'm capable of doing. And it's almost like I have to prove it to other people, but it's also like to prove it to myself because I'm so hurt that they would say that, that it's like, I have to feel like I'm good enough. Okay. But I can't just like, like, Hey, Leanne, I bet you can't like ski naked and make a cute TikTok out of it or something. And you'd be like, oh my watch God. me go. Like, I'd be or- like, that is terrifying and I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'd be like, I bet you're right. I bet I really can't because I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> like that sounds like the most terrifying idea ever. I feel like if I, if I do that, I do it very quietly just in case it doesn't work out. Then I don't have to let anyone know that I was trying. Like I won't, um, (laughs) I won't necessarily tell everybody that I'm going to do it. So for instance, like my dad used to just kind of have that negative, like belief system of like, oh, you can't do it. Or, oh, like that's not like, that doesn't make sense or not straight up saying like, you're not good enough to do it, but more like thinking that the things that I wanted to do or like was going to be successful at like it was like he didn't even think that that could be a thing that I could Mm -hmm. do that or accomplish it you know so it would be like you need to be more realistic type of a mentality right and so if it's like something like that and with someone that 
I have a lot of insecurity and not feelings of being safe around and like feel that rejection stuff coming out and have the rejection sensitive dysphoria like on full display. Mm -hmm. If it's someone like that in a position of a caregiver or trust or authority or whatever, where I feel very insecure around them, I will absolutely not stand up for myself in that moment. Like, I won't say anything back to that person. I'll probably Mm -hmm. cry and get upset and then be told that I'm too sensitive or whatever. But like to myself, like in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to let you make me feel this way again. Mm. Like, and I'm going to show you that I can do this because you don't think that I can. And that shows what you think about me. And like, I'm not going to let you do that to me anymore. And so I have to do the thing to prove to myself that I am worthy and good enough, despite what you think of me. Right. And so it's like, it's not even like a defiant, like verbal thing that I'll say to other people to be like, Oh, you don't think I can, then I'm going to like, it's an internal, it's internal. Right. Oh, Mm -hmm. totally, totally internal. Like I would not say something like that to someone who really didn't feel like I could do it. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Like I'd think it in my head, like, all right, now I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it was like someone that just thought it, like that, I didn't really, not that I don't have respect for, but if it like didn't come across in a threatening, like where like, I have that rejection feeling from someone and they said it to me and be like, I don't think you can do that. Then I might actually be like, Oh, you don't think I can like, I'll show you, like, mm-hmm. I'll do it, you know, but I think it depends on my level of security with that person. And so people that I don't feel secure with and safe around, if someone says something to me, I absolutely shut down and I don't, right. I don't stand up for myself or say something back like in response. I usually like shut down and withdraw or I'll cry and like get upset and sensitive. Um, but I, it's like my brain shuts down and I can't actually verbalize it in yeah, my, yeah. like it outwardly to someone. We did a rabbit hole. It was a good rabbit hole. But before I forget completely, I wanted to go back to like, remember a half hour ago, we were talking about detoxing. <laughs> um, okay. So I found this post. It's, it's a uh, therapy for women on Instagram and it's eight oh, ways, eight ways to detox that had nothing to do with your body. Okay. So these are things that to maybe mm. like bring into, to bring into the year to let go of. Okay. Unfollow people on social media who make you feel like crap. I've yep. totally done that. Yep. Here's the thing. Sometimes it's your friends and you have to like right? mute friends and it's fine. Like I'm totally so fine, fine muting friends. Um, detox your email box by unsubscribing. I desperately need to do this. Um, but Christmas time is a great time because you get so much like spam, like stuff you haven't heard from in a hot minute. At Christmas time, everyone is sending you like Christmas spam. And so that is like a great time to like go through it and uns- unsubscribe from stuff. Do you want to see how many unread emails that I have on like all five email accounts that I have? Oh yeah. That's just my one. That's not. Yeah. What do you got? 13 across five email accounts. Uh-huh. Oh, now I have 10. Oh, um, seven, okay. four, one, zero. Man. I, I cleared them all out. Are you ready I for next? Are you ready for next level? like disorganization are you ready like you're giving me like heart palpitations <laughs> leanne i forget some of my email addresses to even go check and see how many emails i have in there <laughs> i'm not sure how many accounts i have it's a lot of them oh that just like oh, you're giving me agita again i don't like this conversation wipe your, wipe your palms on your sweatpants okay <laughs> All right. Number three, three, uh, donate clothing. You don't wear. I have, I did this recently, like started cleaning out my closet. You know, it's interesting. I do that probably every season, definitely every six months, but probably every season I actually go through like all of my stuff and all like clear shit out. And you know, those big blue Ikea bags, Mm -hmm. I actually will like fill one or two of those every few months with just like shit that I don't want or need or whatever. And I'll donate it. Mm-hmm. It feels and so, I feel good so to much do that. better. Yep. Oh my God. Feel so much lighter. Yep. Same. 
clean out out expired products from your bathroom and kitchen. Oh, yes. That's another really good one, too. It is. I I need to do it more. I don't hyper focus on that, too. I can. I usually don't end up. This is one of those things where I I made a joke about this on Facebook. Well, a half joke about this on Facebook about like not being able to find hairspray. And that leads to just like pulling everything out from under your bathroom sink to like reorganize. But then I realized, oh, this is not a good time to do this. I'm like supposed to be doing something else. I And that's when I like don't complete tasks. Then stuff will just sit there on my bathroom floor for like two weeks until I get back to that task. I have to like finish it. Like if I go into like a big deep project like that, yeah, like I'll drop everything else in order to finish it. Like, so it's done, but that doesn't mean to say like on a day, like, so usually what'll happen, like I'll go to clean out my bathroom. And it was because like, I went to grab something and I couldn't find it. And then I'm like, okay, like I have to undig and like declutter and I'll go through to like clean out everything. And then I'll go to throw something away in the trash can in the kitchen. And then I'm like, Oh, my spices are expired. And then I go and open the cabinets on there. So then it's like four different areas and my whole house are all being decluttered simultaneously, but I will not stop until I get it done. But then it's like, I've gone into a much bigger rabbit hole than I ever anticipated. And it's like four different projects of the same type of thing that I end up doing. And then my house looks like a shit show until like I get them all done. But if it's cluttered, like I can't, I can't not like I have to finish. Right. I can't wait for you to come visit my house. It's going to be, you're going to have to bring some Xanax or something. I don't know. Um, Cause I, I do the same thing and I pivot from like one thing to another thing. And it does feel good when I get stuff done but it takes me a long time to get stuff done. And if it sits there too long, it like everything else, like that's that thing my brain does where everything just becomes part of the landscape. So I'm like, oh, this is just a pile that now exists in my bathroom. And I'll just walk around it because like I get, I get into a task and I'm like, wow, this is exhausting. And like all my energy goes to starting the task, but not completing the task. But nothing but depression comes from that. That's the whole thing because the way your brain gets the dopamine is the in the completion of the task, right? So I never get that dopamine hit of, not never, I mean, I do finish some things, but like you rob yourself of that dopamine hit by not completing the task. And then it just becomes like a point of shame. So, right. oh my gosh. So how do you fix that? I don't know. I invite you over to come look at my bathroom and then- <laughs> And then, and then basically you're basically saying, Leanne, come in hyper-focus in my bathroom and clean all my shit out. And no, whatever I have left is what happens. I'd actually be way too, here's the thing, because I have so much shame surrounding my clutter. Here we go. I'm going down eight rabbit holes in one time. Here we go. I have so <laughs> much shame surrounding my clutter. I legitimately would rather have like a nude of my boobs leaked on the internet than like what my you know, bathroom has looked like for two weeks and then have someone be like, uh, this shit shows what her bathroom has looked like for the last two weeks. I don't know why I keep saying my bathroom. It's not particularly bad right now, but like whatever my messy area that like, I'm not addressing having that broadcast to the world is so shamey to me. Like, I'm like, no, show everyone, show everyone my titties instead. Like that's less embarrassing. Even to have like you come, like I'd be embarrassed to have you come over. That would actually get me to finish it is if I know someone is coming and they would see it, I'd be like, here we go. And I would like, so, but it's often that place of shame of like, hurry and clean this up before someone sees it. This is giving us so much material for our shame episode. Oh, I have so much anxiety right now. I just made myself very stressed out. Well, because it's totally like the wall of awful, like the ADHD wall of awful where we just, there's so much pressure and it's like, you have to wait until you have so much pressure to finish the thing before Uh you can do the thing. So it just, it's completely the wall of awful and like needing all of that pressure build up. And that's how I am too. Your surroundings really do. Well, I think it depends. Some people like, I'll use the word clutter because like having all of your stuff there as a reminder that it's there and, or it's like even comfort items or whatever. But I think there's a tipping point where if you're surrounded by like disorganized mess, there's no way your brain is operating at like optimum levels in like total like chaos. Like it's just, it's not, there's no way. Right. Okay. Here we go. Back to the list because wow, I just went down the bathroom and kitchen rabbit hole. Okay. Cancel subscription services you don't use. 
I just did that yesterday. That's funny. I have a couple I need to do. Uh, organize phone and delete apps and pictures. Uh-huh. <gasps> pictures. Uh, oh my gosh. Photos. You- oh, you said photos. I'll go like every six months or year or something. I'll go in and I'll delete like thousands of pictures. Uh-huh. I don't. So, and that's the other thing. Like, so I clear out and I do delete quite a bit of my emails and stuff, but I also have a lot of emails that like I'll pin to look at later uh-huh. or like clear it like to see it but I save it because I want to reread it and then I literally never go back and reread it and I don't want to know how many like emails I've just like had saved that I just haven't gone back and read same thing with photos do you have a hard time deleting photos do you keep like every photo it's a I have a really hard time deleting like I'll take six in a row of kind of the pretty much the same picture I have mm-hmm. such a hard time deleting anything I'll delete like if I take like six of the same, I might narrow it down to like two of my favorites. I have a thing with pictures. It's weird. Um, organize your computer and delete documents and software you don't use. Mm-hmm. Declutter your car. What does your car look like? What kind of car person are you? Is it neat? Um, my car used to be immaculate. And then I paid off my car, ended up getting liability insurance only. And then I promptly had an elk run into my car and like have dents like all down the side of my car. And I never got it fixed because I only had liability and wasn't going to spend five grand on fixing my car. So now my car doesn't look great on the outside. And so ever since that happened, it's been harder for me to have my car look pristine. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I think I have so much shame about it being denty that you're just like, well, it's a, yep. like, this is what it should look like on the inside too. Yeah. It's it's really not bad though. Like I'll clean it out, but like, I haven't vacuumed it. And like, I do have some things that like, I need to like declutter and get rid of, but it's not, it's not like a disaster. I, my like full disclosure, my dad was an auto body mechanic and is like a huge car guy. And so I grew up being like mm. a mechanic's daughter and he was like, takes pride in his vehicles and like being a car person. So I think I have a lot of shame around the fact that my car doesn't look pristine on the outside. So it's like a whole shamey thing for me. How does your car look? Mine is, I like it when it's clean. Mine is cluttered and here's the thing if it was just me and my kids never rode my car it would be much cleaner I think so for sure it's like a kid car but there it's not gross like when I was a teenager my car was gross I would forget about food it would smell weird gym clothes in there from six months that like reek like a dead body like it my car was actually disgusting when I was a teenager I used to when with my car when I was a kid, I actually used to wax it like all the time and like vacuum it and clean it and wash it like every week and detail it and immaculate. We are opposites. If your dad's a car guy. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like I think I felt a lot of like it needs to look okay. Mm -hmm. So I actually it's funny. I worked at a bakery in high school, junior, senior year in high school. And um we did the concession stand for a performing arts center in town. And so we had to transport all of the baked goods in our vehicle, like our personal vehicle to go run the concessions and then like take it with us and bring it back to the bakery, like at the end of the night. And I had a five gallon bucket of gazpacho on the floor behind my passenger seat. And it was like, perfectly set. I was driving very carefully and some douchebag from the city jumped out in front of me like in their car and I had to slam on my brakes. Let's just say that the rest of the time that I had that vehicle, Mm -hmm. like we ripped the seats out. We ripped the carpet up and like shampooed and got everything that we could like multiple times. I won't eat this bacho now. So moral of the story, clean your car. Well, and so then like, I guess just to my kind of thought, this episode airs, like we said, it's going to be the end of January when people like have made resolutions or intentions or whatever, and they've set goals and for whatever rhyme or reason, it falls apart. What advice or sage wisdom can these two squirrely ADHD brains offer someone? I like using the the five whys to get down to what's actually, you know, getting to the root of what's really important for you. Because I'm, you know, if you're really trying hard to achieve a goal that 
there is some part of you that just actively is not stoked about that or actively doesn't want to do that. Like you're never going to get there. You're setting yourself up for disappointment so hard. So I feel like using five whys to get clarity so that you can make sure that it's a goal you actually want to do is a big one for me. And I, and then I think also people that tend to have like the all or nothing black and white mentality of like, well, I already ate, you know, five of these things. So I might as well eat the whole damn box now. It doesn't matter. Or like, well, I've already screwed up today. So I might as well for the rest of the day do, you know, whatever. Catching yourself in those times of not just utterly like, well, I slipped a little bit. I might as well utterly like throw myself into the volcano now. It doesn't matter. Or just giving up, Um, giving yourself grace with just doing a little bit better. And mm-hmm. being able to hit reset at any point, like at any point, you don't have to wait for morning or January or the first of the month. At any point, you can hit reset. Mm-hmm. It can so. be what day is this episode airing? It could be January 26th. Right? <laughs> yep. Um, you're totally right. Like just having that mindset of, you know what, like today may have been shitty and I may have slipped up, but... Like, what is something that I can do right now to help me feel a little bit better and give myself some grace and Mm -hmm. like to kind of reset and feel better in this moment. And like the next step forward is going to be a more positive thought than what I was just thinking. Um, And then just to add to your point too, like in addition to the whys, I'm like discovering if that goal is actually something that's meaningful to you and Mm -hmm. then kind of expanding on those five whys of being like, okay, so what are my core values and what are the things that I really believe in? And then you can kind of rebuild back up from there. Like Mm -hmm. once you've gone with your whys, discovered like what your why is for that goal or not and being like, okay, this does resonate with me or not and why. And then being like, okay, what are the other things that are truly important to me? And when looking at that list, And then what are the things that like I'm passionate about and bring me joy and the things that I really do want to do. And then those are the things that I want to work on. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that also like sometimes people are afraid, like if they're listening to it, this episode today, when it comes out and they've come up with goals that maybe don't align with them and there's fear in, oh, well, I said that I was going to do this. And now I feel like I have to, even if I don't really want to. And it's like, well, no, like I think that you'll find that if you choose a new goal, that's more aligned with what you actually believe is important, you'll be able to accomplish it. And then I think also I had mentioned, and I'll tag it in the show notes. I had listened to something that Cara Lowenthal had talked about in her podcast, Unfuck Your Brain, where it was like having a whole bunch of goals and intentions versus maybe finding one thing that was really meaningful to you is going to be better. So like if people have a whole bunch of goals and none of them, when they kind of really dig deep, they're like, oh, well, none of these really align with what I actually want to do. Like you find the one thing that Mm -hmm. really has the most meaning and value. And you really just focus on that one goal instead of feeling like you're overwhelming your brain with so many different things. And then you can't be consistent on any of them because it feels so overwhelming. So like kind of narrowing down usually will help you to stick with it better. Not just that, but even if you find two goals that are actually meaningful to you, only doing one at a time is so important, especially if you have ADHD. Mm -hmm. Because a thing I figured out I was doing was I would have two things that I really wanted to do, legitimately wanted to do. But when one would get hard, I would pivot to the other. And I told myself, this is great because I'm like, no, this is good because at any given time you have something to work on. But by not giving one thing my attention all the way through until the end meant that neither of them ever actually got done because I was just forever pivoting between the two things. So like picking one meaningful goal and tracking, like plotting that out, like to completion and doing that before you allow yourself to like start on another one is super important, especially if you have like attention issues because you will forever pivot between, you know, very, valid things that you want to be doing, um, but never finish any of them. Uh, One final thing, one final thought I have on shoulds. I think the ultimate should that we need to let go of is the idea of when you figure out that a goal is not something that's actually important to you, letting go of the idea of like, this should be a thing that's important to me. Right. 
and questioning where that comes from. It's one thing if it's like, I should care about like being a decent person to other people. Like, okay, maybe that's valid. Maybe you should. And maybe question why that's not an important thing for you. (laughs) But, you know, but like, if it's like, I, I should care about, you know, getting healthier, like, I don't know, question that, like letting go of the shame we have surrounding not just our goals, but like even larger than that, like this should be a thing I care about. Should it? Like letting go of the expectations of you can't care about everything. Not everything can be important to you. And that is Mm -hmm. totally okay. Um, It's the figuring out the ones that are and going with those and letting go of the shame surrounding the things that you think you should care about that you don't. Other people can care about those things. It's okay. You can't do everything. You're not meant to do everything. And so letting go of that shame surrounding should. Good Lord. That's my work for this year, for sure. Yep, totally. And I think the more that we're able to actually let go of that, the more that we'll really connect with ourselves Mm -hmm. and really find our own authentic voice and what really aligns with our, with our own hearts to be able to move forward with the things that make the most sense for us. Mm-hmm. So and when it's something that your heart's really into, that's when you find your community, your people, your passion, like all the good things come with really finding the things that, that you care about. So totally happy 2021. Happy 2021. I think it's going to be a much better year than last year. High hopes, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a nap. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really <laughs> I'm going to go like rest. Too. I think I think I might want to rest too. 